It's the Sportzilla Show on 1310 AM Utica, 1350 AM Rome, ESPN Utica Rome, now on 96.5 FM. What a shot by Jericho. That's got to be it. A little bit of the bubbly. In the sun. A little bit of the bubbly. All night long. A little bit of the bubbly. Here I am. I won't lie. The bubbly. The bubbly. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You stole a little bit of the bubbly. So you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Bears eats bubbly. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio Utica, Rome. Here's Wayne, Scoop, and Matt. The glue guy, Matt Page, is who I'm going to highlight. My name is Rain Scoop is here. We have another guest in the studio, which we're going to get to, but there's a reason that we're pausing on introducing you, sir. Matt Page is a graduate of Utica College who did get their second win of the season. They are 2-0. and uh, but also our resident millennial and huge WWE and wrestling fan, uh, AEW champion Chris Jericho, who we know. I mean, he's done time in WCW. Didn't he win a championship in Japan, too? Yes. So he is now... This been- man has been all over the world. He's won championships, and he knows how to make, keep himself relevant. He, he really does. Like, he evolves with the times. I mean, remember, Y2J isn't even a thing anymore, no. but that's how he made his introduction into the WWE. Mm-hmm. Even I know that, dude. You impressed? Well, yeah, because you watched her in the Attitude Area. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So that was uh, like a viral video because he won the championship and then that got made. And there's a reason for this brand spanking new killer Sportzilla intro by you, Matt Page. Yeah. Um, after he won the championship, they did a, uh, a postgame show and it was highlighted around him winning the championship. And he's being a, a snob and he's being rude to all the backstage people. He gets to his locker room. And he says that line, and everyone goes nuts over it. Somebody, it it's a trending hashtag since he's won the championship. Somebody went, it's got legs, it's still out there, it's yeah. everywhere, and somebody made that beautiful piece of video, which you took the audio Correct. from, to create that. It's been a trending hashtag, a little bit of the bubbly. So we're going to go all the way till Yankees Blue Jays today. Going to break down the rest of the Sportzilla show for you in just a second, but I want to pause and return back to Matt Page and Utica College. So, you graduated from there. Yes. And it's been six years? Uh, five. That you've been here five? Oh, yeah, six years I've been here, yeah. Okay. So, Matt starts out in a show that was formerly on ESPN Radio as a board op producer. And over time, he's been mentored by Scoop. And then, of course, me. And he is now... Indispensable to the weird love child of you two. <laughs> but, but but what he does behind the scenes, not just in producing Sportzilla or s- producing uh, Comets Insider that we host, which starts up again in a couple of weeks over on the flagship for the Utica Comets, but he does so many things behind the scenes that he's indispensable, and we call him the glue guy. And now, Scoop, he is paying it forward to a fellow Utica College potential broadcaster or well he's currently a broadcaster my concern is and well and thankfully for him you and i haven't spoiled him right we haven't (laughs) ruined him for life yeah as we have we have corrupted matt Matt page there is no (laughs) doubt but my concern is are he's 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 being mentored right now by doug croft who who runs the radio station wpnr at utica college who i'm a big fan of what doug does a great guy known him for a long time but if we let him crack the mic, the first word he says, does he lose his amateur status and become a professional 
even though you're doing some stuff behind the scenes here, what happens with that? Is is there a thing with that in Radio Scoop? I've got a lot of years in radio, but you've got a few more than I do. Don't give me another reason to go to NCAA headquarters and burn a building down. <laughs> okay. Don't give me another reason. Are we, I, I've already got a fistful of them. Are we gonna Are we gonna screw him over here? I mean, he's programming WPNR right now. He's got some great mentorship. He's gonna graduate in May. You know, he came up to this cold weather climate from Tampa. Should we let him crack the mic? I guess. All right, introduce your boy, David Cooney. David Cooney, uh, been board hopping for us since uh, after the new year and does a lot for Utica College uh, football and uh, hockey, broadcast along with uh, Ray Biggs. So, Mr. Cooney, welcome to Sportzilla Show. Thank you, Matt. Are you hyped to be here, bud? Oh, absolutely. This is a dream come true right here. Hey, so how about this, though? Program director for WPNR, right? And he forgot to bring his headphones, so I had to let him borrow mine. <laughs> There's your proper introduction, dude. We got a lot to get to today, guys. Are you ready to break this down with me? All right, let's run through everything. Uh, we've given you your proper introduction. We took care of our WWE. He's a long-suffering. David Cooney is a long-suffering Jets fan. We've got some football to talk to. We'll do the NFL style, but we've got college football. We've got to talk about Syracuse. So first of all, we'll do that at 1130. We're going to bring our guy in from 247 Sports, Mike McAllister. That sold-out game, all that hype, and then it was empty by the end. Syracuse lost to Clemson. We'll talk about that. Utica College football, 2-0. We mentioned that briefly. We're going to come back to that with you, Dave, in a second, because you were there. Uh, what else do we have? I mean, we've got a comment segment today well, with our well, guy. Well, how about uh, Temple knocking off Maryland? That doesn't help the Orange either. Yeah, how about that? And it was a, a relatively low-scoring game. That's the one thing I want to ask um, Mike McAllister about is, so... You didn't give up 62. The defense improved by 20 points against a better team, but it's not really that reassuring, even though Clemson's a lot better. Well, you know, before the season started, we asked Mike McAllister about what do you think the Orange's season's going to look like? And he's like, oh, maybe, you know, 2-0 going into Clemson. Maybe you lose Clemson, and then it's straight shooting from there. Do we still feel that same way? I don't. No, the whole vibe of this, everything has completely changed. I, and I, I will say Dino was... He was very positive in his expectations for the rest of the year in the post-game press conference. But, of course, he's got to be that way. He's got to be that guy for his team. They depend on him. He's the leader. But I think the the mood of the fan base has shifted. The, the expectations perhaps have been set a little bit more realistically now. I don't know if that's a fair statement. That's how I'm feeling. Kind of agreeing with you, Matt. If you're 17-6 at halftime, you don't feel awful about that no. you don't feel great but then to to not get anything after that and to the onslaught of points that ensued it was for it, Clemson just it was now you feel bad it was truly a shame their inability in the red zone to get the ball into the end zone and that was an inexcusable interception but it just by by Tommy DeVito I mean inexcusable it was like wow agreed really I mean it was terrible there was nobody was. within five yards of the Clemson def- defender, I forget his name, that made Correct. Um, next week against Western Michigan, if Syracuse comes out and blows the doors off of them, people will feel a little bit better about themselves. But if it's a close game, do you still feel eh? You would hope that they I can. I think either way, that's how you feel. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I almost think that you just have to win this game against Western Michigan. I'm sure Mike McHale is probably going to agree it's with two that. Two games where you've just been blown out. Yeah. So you can't feel real good uh, about 
even a win next week. No matter how you win, you can't start getting cocky at that point. You know, this is the Cleveland Browns syndrome. <laughs> Everybody was caught. We were talking about undefeated season, maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, Browns fans are talking about, well, maybe not an undefeated season, but, oh, Super playoff, Bowl. Super Bowl. I mean, expectations can uh, reach back and bite you. I've got to own my own words. I've said to you a, a couple of times right here on Sportzilla, I expect a 10, 11, potentially even looking at the Browns on paper. I'm like, you might even be a 12-win team. Depending. Well, I've heard you say 12 wins, but if you, you look at the Browns and you consider in the second half of last year, they went 5-3. and three. Right. Maybe 10-6, and 9-7 and seven is a reasonable expectation. Well, my point is, yeah, and I and I remember that conversation where I kind of, I said best case scenario is 12, and then I backed off it realistically to maybe a 10 and 6, 11 and 5, and because you had brought up maybe key victories against the Steelers, for example, and you went, we went down that well, road. Well, bringing well, up the Steelers, they didn't look good last week. Obviously, it was against the Patriots. I think that's going to be a different turnaround for them. I think they will turn their season around, and I don't think Lamar Jackson for the Baltimore Ravens is that good. He went against the Dolphins. I don't think Dak Prescott and the Cowboys are that good for that matter. I think that the Giants made them with a crap defense look a lot better than they were supposed to. But to your point, Scoop, about expectations. I see a parallel between Syracuse fans and Browns fans. Is it the color scheme? Well, you (laughs) get Jim Brown tie-in. Yeah, I mean, we could go back to that. But I I really think the excitement before the season was similar in a lot of ways. Agreed. Well, yeah, and that's kind of my point is now, now based on what has happened with Cleveland expectations to your point have got to obviously have changed a little bit. It doesn't take long when your fan base is kind of used to mediocrity or worse. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I'm, let's be honest for the past 20 years, that's kind of how it's been for Syracuse too. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Last year made the expectations go through the roof, but we clearly have seen there's growing pains for Tommy DeVito. He is not Eric Dungy. That is blatantly obvious. Well, in the defense, we hoped the defense would be better, and especially after just watching all the big plays that Syracuse gave up on defense last year. And we kind of seem to be back in that place again. And going back to your Browns, they're facing the Jets on Monday Night Football. David, how do you feel about your Jets' chances with Sam Darnold having mono, C.J. Mosley, the star linebacker, being out this week? Yeah, um... Yeah, especially with C.J. Mosley being out last week, you saw what happened with the Bills game and what happened after he left the game. The Bills won an absolute tear on offense and came back from a 16-point deficit. So right now, especially with the Browns losing so badly and decisively last week and Baker Mayfield honestly not putting on his best performance also, the Browns are coming in with something to prove. And as you talk, all of you talked about, with the expectations on Cleveland this year, I have a feeling it's it's not going to be pretty in the Meadowlands this Monday night. There's the whole Browns versus Greg Williams angle, too. There's been, yeah. there's been some talking back and forth. And, uh, you, you know, I, I didn't realize that there were so many players in the Browns that didn't really like him. And, you know, uh, we have uh, OBJ talking about, you know, he coaches, uh, Greg Williams coaches defense to hurt people. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he was part of the whole Bounty Gate yeah. scandal. Yeah. So we might see 2.0 of that. Also, o- Odell Beckham talking about his $250,000 watch or whatever the price tag is on it. Oh, if it was anyone else, it wouldn't be the issue. Well, yeah, it would. It would be an issue. He brought up Tom Brady. If Tom Brady was doing it, 
it would definitely be an issue with the commissioner. Matt has an amazing ability to tie everything back to the Patriots. And Tom Brady doesn't do that. (laughs) Tom Brady doesn't do that. Bingo. It it all comes back to number 12 for Matt. That's it. It always seems to. We're on to Cincinnati. Okay, guys, listen. So we're going to talk a little bit of UCFC. There were some signings, some soccer in our next segment. UC football, Dave Cooney is going to help us break that down. We're going to get to a few tidbits on the comments so we can bring in Corey Hergott to talk about everything going on with the Vancouver Canucks slash Utica Comets. He's been at training camp. There's a lot of news, a lot of things happening, some interesting little developments. So we'll get into all that at noon. Some more on the NFL. Mike McAllister, don't forget, joins us to break down SU and Clemson at 11:30. But with a couple minutes left in our opening segment, uh, Matt and I, uh, mostly Matt, he was smart enough to throw a little, uh, a couple of minutes here at the tail end of this opening segment to talk about the Yankees really quickly because obviously we're out for the Yankees and the Blue Jays today. They got 98 wins. Um, five home runs yesterday. Five home runs. They have overtaken wow. the Twins who were, who were... The Yankees set the Major League record last year. Then the Twins are blowing that out of the water. Suddenly the Yankees have just surged. And now they have 280-something. And they are four or five home runs ahead of the Twins. This team is just ridiculous. The next man up thing is... is it's astounding. It just doesn't happen. First of all, the unprecedented injuries and then to still have 98 wins is remarkable. But Edwin Encarnacion carries the parrot, his second stint on the DL. And yet they have more reinforcements on the way that's actually going to make this team with still a lot of good, solid players on the DL. But you're going to get Severino, Batances, Jordan Montgomery, who a lot of people sleep on, who could be key to pick up a few innings here or there. Any, uh, when you got good left-handed starting pitching, listen, at this point with their bullpen, starting pitching's got to go four or five innings. That's all they need. One thing that they have over the Astros is a better bullpen. The Astros, obviously, on paper, have that front three of starters after the trade that they look like a potential favorite. But then also, Giancarlo Stanton, as mm-hmm. they lose Mike Talkman, who's been key this year. It's it's just a rem- a remarkable season. Can I give kudos to somebody? Yeah, Aaron Boone. Yeah, a lot of people hate on him. A lot of people said, "Oh, he doesn't deserve it." Whatever people are saying, I think with all the injuries and for him to maintain this um, good of a season, it, someone has to be uh, given credit for that. And I think it's him. Manager of the year, and they're not the evil empire anymore. They're not citing all of the big free agents. Says anymore. you. They're not, man. <laughs> they, they've dropped from from number one payroll to like seventh, I think six, seventh, eight, somewhere in there now. There's teams that spend more. Dave Dombrowski just got fired for doing that with the Boston Red Sox. Because- well, I'm glad you brought them up because a lot of Boston Red Sox fans that I follow on Twitter, they still refer to the Yankees as the evil empire, yet their payroll has been higher for many years now, they, they they have a they have no farm system whatsoever. Uh, David Price, Chris Sale, major free agent signings, and I could go on. I mean, they're looking at Mookie Betts. I think in one more year they're going to have to sign him to a massive three hundred million dollar contract. To oh, keep and him. I'm all broken up about that too. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> it's terrible. Any any quick thoughts, David Cooney, our friend from Utica College. Hey, right now, Yankees are actually third in payroll right now. Okay. So they've dropped down, but the Red Sox, again, outspending them. I think they're at like 164 right now, million with their payroll compared to the Yankees. They're at 146, but I'm a Rays fan. So you know what? 
we got to take our opportunities while we can because they're eventually going to sign with either the Yankees or the Red Sox. It always happens. Yeah, the Trops are dumped too, by the way. Oh, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> it is. Sportzilla Show, ESPN, Utica, Rome. Of course, 96.5 on your FM dial. It's the Sportzilla Show on 1310 AM Utica, 1350 AM Rome, and 96.5 FM ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. And if you miss any of the show or you want to come back to it at a later point, you can do that. Check our social media links. Uh, and we've got it on Apple, Google, SoundCloud. It's everywhere. Uh, I'm at Scoop16, at ESPN Sportzilla. You are uh, at, was it MM Page? 11. 11. So we'll all be tweeting the links later on Twitter if you miss anything. And, uh, you know, we do this mostly each and every Sunday here in beautiful downtown Utica. And we've got a little Utica football to talk about. Uh, Utica comments a little bit later. Uh, speaking of uh, football, we got a programming note? Yes, absolutely. We have, uh, of course, Yankees and Blue Jays here uh, coming up after this broadcast today. Uh, what is that, like 12? 1225. Uh, 12.25. And so that means the Giants today, this is normally your home for the New York football Giants. The Giants are on Tony FM today, heard at 99.1 FM in Utica, 12.30 a.m. in Little Falls, and at WKLL HD2 all across central New York. And you can ask Alexa as well. Absolutely. On the Amazon Echo Dot. Ask Alexa to play Tony FM for your Giants today. did we drop Spotify, by the way, to get the podcast? I did not mention Spotify. Uh, the reason it's I bring because I have a, you know, an axe to grind against them personally, and I just forget about them all the time. I understand, <laughs> but I wanted to use that as another excuse to glorify the glue guy here, Matt Page, uh, Utica College alum, uh, because he is the one that was nice enough to set also, that up for uh, us. Also, Herkimer grad too, by the way, and Herkimer grad, H Triple C grad. I got to plug them. Our podcasts are actually stolen by other radio companies and posted on their website, so you can find us everywhere. Really? Is that happening? Yes, yeah. that is happening. We'll, uh, we'll explain off air. Really? Yeah. Because I don't want to mention any of those illegitimate sons. I did not know that. Okay. I'm fascinated <laughs> we, by this. We find out when you're on vacation and we forgot to mention it to you. Oh, I need to hear about this. I was on vacation like a week ago, boys. Yeah. <laughs> You've been busy or something doing your jobs? Utica College. We brought it up. Okay. You didn't go to HCCC. We know this because you're from the Tampa area. Have you enjoyed everything, though, the four years that you've been at UC? Oh, yeah, I've loved Utica College. It's been an absolutely fabulous education. I had two cousins that went, well, three cousins technically that went there, and it's just been phenomenal there. Yeah, it's a great, it's great. The sports are great, I mean, it, but the whole, the school itself, it's just a great school. You get a great education. You got to be a hockey fan now. I'm sure you're a basketball fan now, but you were at the football game. So let's talk about this 2-0 start. I'm not going to set you up any further than that other than you give us what you got, and then we'll go We from had a there. defensive struggle uh, for a while there and not a lot of scoring. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was a big defensive struggle there in the first half, but this is a Buffalo State team that Utica College defeated soundly last year, 36-3, to and that was primarily because of the rushing game with Malcolm Stowe when they had 194 yards rushing that game along with 276 yards passing, but... As Mr. Scoop mentioned, this was a defensive struggle this time around when you had Logan Wilcox. He threw two interceptions in the first half, along with a fumble, which Yuka College did recover. Yep. But the only scoring was a 3 nothing field goal right at the end of the first half. But then Yuka College finally got going there in the second half. 
final score ended up being 26 to 15. And it was keyed by some big plays on defense and special teams. Oh, absolutely. Just going through it right now, just some of the scores. Utica College ended up striking first on a Makai Medici 30 yard field goal, then a JJ O'Connor touchdown. Yeah. He played a big part. He scored later in the game also. And then Logan Wilcox later in the third quarter actually had an interception return for a touchdown, but the PAT failed due to Marquis Simpson with the block, and they returned it for a two-point conversion. Then Jamarius Morgan had a two-yard run later on with another J.J. O'Connor. I was, for that second touchdown pass, I was right there on the sidelines. He was wide open. So he just had room for days. He got in there, and then with a minute and eight left, Buffalo State scored once again another touchdown, but... Ultimately, two-point conversion failed, but kudos to Coach Pluff and this Utica defense. They've been, play, they've been playing lights out. They only left nine points against this Buffalo State team. And yeah, they looked good last week, too. Oh, yeah, then off-air, you know, I was mentioning something about the quarterback for Buffalo State, Zach Seski. He hasn't played. He's a senior for Buffalo State. He has not played football since his senior year in high school, the 2014-2015 seat year. Because? Because he's been playing basketball. For Buffalo State. Really? Yes, and he went 19 for 31 yesterday. That's kind of impressive, actually. I don't think I could take four, three, four years off from the game, step back in, and do anything. Well, yeah, because you got to read the defense, and do you forget that knowledge playing basketball? Maybe. What's the strength to? What's the strength of the Utica College football team? After I know it's tough to assess after two games, but every year it's, it's a different team. Certain players, obviously, you go from being an underclassman to an upperclassman, and you get experience and things like that. But what is the key to success overall of the Utica College football program? Aside from coaching. I, I have my my theory that I'm going to throw at you in just a second, because I know these two, I know Scoop and Matt agree with me. We discuss it all the time, but I want to hear your opinion being a student there and, of course, being at the game and watching. Absolutely, it's coaching. Okay. It's a coaching because they have a next man up philosophy right now. Coach Fagiano does an amazing job with those players. He not only raises them to be, you know, excellent football players, but also excellent men inside and outside the classroom. Absolutely right. That's exactly what we were thinking. It, it's we've we've equivalented him to Dino Babers gets a lot of press nationally on ESPN for the locker room speeches and just the buy in that SU players have where He's infectious, and they will run through a wall for that guy. We get the same sense that that's how it is for Fagiano, and because he cares about his players, and it's not just what happens on the field, it's also what happens off the field and setting them up for success for the rest of their lives. And I think that he follows up with his players down the road. Scoop, I know you've thought this. You've said this. We've all talked about this. Um, you want to add to this? Well, he's just such a, a coach... Uh, Blaze is just, uh, 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 he's charismatic. Yeah. I mean, he's got exponential charisma, you know? I mean, you you can't help but not gravitate to the guy, want to perform well for him, do what he says. Uh, He's certainly a guy it's very easy to rally around. Any other takeaways from the game? Yeah, I'm going back to Blaze there for a second. I I had a chance to uh, talk to Jared Kite, one of the former quarterbacks for Utica College, and he always, he's at the uh, University of Maine now with their special teams. He always makes sure to say hi to Coach Fagiano every time I talk to him, and it's just big thing there. But one thing I did take away after this game was I don't think Coach Fagiano was was happy with the effort that was put in, though. Really? Because, again, you beat, 
Utica College resoundingly defeated this team 36-3 last year. Mm-hmm. And after a game, he talked to some of the players, and when he got them in there, said, you have to be more concise, you have to be more clear, because next week, they're heading into a very tough matchup against RPI, a team last year that they went to three overtimes with. And it's and, a first road game, too. Yeah, absolutely. And RPI is just coming off a 3-6 to six loss against Worcester Polytechnic Institute, and they're the number 19 well, soon to be formally ranked number 19 team ranked in the country. Yeah. So clearly strong defensively. Yeah, they're very strong defensively, and this offense has to get it going. Like Logan Wilcox right now overall in the season is 20 for 51 with a 39% completion percentage. Yeah, that's So somehow we got to get that going and corrected. He has four touchdowns with three interceptions, but again, we have to get going on offense. I think the run game is going to be key for UCA College going forward. I was going to say, do you establish the run game in order to get Logan Wilcox going? Yeah, you're going to have to give him, give him a chance to get some guys open if they key on the run. Obviously, that opens up the passing lanes. Yeah, one, well, there's one particular standout, especially with the running backs yesterday, was Javarius Morgan, a former Proctor grad yeah. who transferred in from Wagner. He had a phenomenal game yesterday with 123 123 yards on the ground, and for for J.J. O'Connor's two touchdowns, he could have easily been player of the game as well. Yeah, that's crazy. It's one of those situations where I wonder if, to your point, Dave, maybe because you beat him so badly last year, you took him lightly this year. You didn't mean to. But you were some, looking forward to the next game. Sometimes that does happen, without a doubt. Do what, you have anything to uh, to plug, by the way? Uh, yeah, well, I wanted to make sure. Uh, I know we're up against a break in just a second here, so I wanted to make sure we brought up uh, first of all, a happy birthday. Just a couple days ago, it was the birthday of one Ryan Kids in the Hall, who is the head coach of UCFC, Utica City Football Club, of course. So he had his birthday, but some other news in relation to that. They signed a couple guys, familiar names, and I wanted to make sure the soccer fans out there, we try to cover a little bit of everything in our once-a-week uh, Sports Silla show here. So Ben Rahman, Jake Schindler have resigned. Both defenders that's key for them because there's there's been some turnover. I mean, there were some there's been some guys like Joey Tavernese. It was a name that I was really hoping would be back, but but every season every team changes a little bit. There's roster fluctuation, but those are a couple familiar faces that are going to be added to. Let's just be honest. I mean, it was a damn good team last year, and I think we have some expectations. And come November, believe it or not, we're actually getting closer and closer to some soccer at the Adirondack Bank Center scoop, and and I'm kind of hyped. And we were like. I wonder if this is going to work. It took, what, two games, and we were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. The fan support, just outstanding. I think, you know, the organization was knocked over and knocked out by it, too, you know. Yeah, I, I think everybody, to a man, would say it has exceeded expectations, and now it's just something... After one season, I, I look forward to it. It's a fun thing to bring the family to. It's completely different than hockey or any of the four major sports that everybody keys on. And soccer's probably still fifth overall in the hierarchy across the country, but I don't think it's ever been as popular as it is now in America. I don't know about you, Dave. Oh, no. The soccer up here is just unbelievable. I remember growing up down Tampa, we had the mutiny for the longest time, but then they folded. It seemed like soccer was kind of going away, but now it's back, and I think bigger than ever. It absolutely is. I totally agree. All right, I'm glad we got that UCFC news out there. And a shameless plug for Ryan Kids in the Hall. I'm also happy that we got a, a Doug Croft 
WPNR plug-in at the top of the show as well. You got to tell him in case he doesn't hear. He's listening. We got another listener of the podcast now. Exactly. We do. Yeah. Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN, Utica, Rome. It's time to talk Syracuse football with Mike McAllister from 247 Sports. And we'll do that next on ESPN Utica Rome. The Sportzilla Show is now streaming on the ESPN app. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. And our friend from uh, Utica College and a part-time worker here at the radio station. He no longer has his amateur eligibility intact. Dave Cooney's with us today. But on the phone, we're going to jump right into it. Syracuse football, obviously the subject. Uh, the, the attitude of the fan base, perhaps, and the expectations have been tempered. We have lost to Clemson, obviously now 1-2 and two on the season. We were hoping for a little bit of a different outcome, as we have discussed in the past with Mike McAllister of 247 Sports. But I want to start out with a few things. First of all, I guess it, one takeaway could be, Mike, the defense overall gave up 20 points less to Clemson than they did to Maryland, who, and then you look at what happened with them that we discussed, maybe the defense is a little bit better. I don't know, against a better opponent. Offensive line obviously had to deal with some injuries and shuffling around and players out of position. Clearly, Tommy DeVito is no Eric Dungy. There are some growing pains. And last but not least, the thing that I noticed that caught a lot of attention on social media was the Dino Babers meeting at midfield after the game with the whole team. So start there and uh, let's see what you got, Mike. All right, we'll try to go one by one. Hopefully I don't forget anything. We'll, we'll, <laughs> but, we'll cue you. All right, sounds good. Um, the defense, yes, they were a lot better. And if you think about it, Clemson scored in their first two possessions, right? Went up 14 nothing From that stretch until early to mid-fourth quarter, they only gave up 13 points, and I thought really uh, gave Clemson a lot of problems. They got some pressure on Trevor Lawrence, forced a couple interceptions. Uh, so I thought they took a, a huge step forward as far as I'm concerned. Clemson is loaded with talent. They've got two legitimate Heisman Trophy candidates in, on their offense. Their offensive line is, is one of the best in the country. Uh, their wide receivers seem to be all like six eight and can all run like deer. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. So the fact that that Syracuse, you know, for large stretches had Antoine Cordy on some of those tall, fast receivers uh, and didn't get burned with a bunch of big plays, and that two of Clemson's touchdowns that came late were against Syracuse's second and third string defense, basically when they had put the the reserves in when the outcome was pretty much decided. Sure. Um, you know, it was basically a defensive performance similar to what it's been the last couple of years. Keep Clemson in the mid to high 20s and give your offense a chance to score enough points to win. And I thought defensively, they definitely did enough to win that game. Um, the offensive line, that is, to me, the biggest area of concern. If if I'm a Syracuse fan, I know that they were missing Sam Heckle, but just because you're missing one guy, it shouldn't be that bad that consistently. And this is three weeks in a row where, um, you know, they've struggled – to open up holes consistently on the run game. They haven't protected Tommy DeVito very well. So that's that's my biggest area of concern going forward with, with this team. I think the next two weeks they'll get a little bit of a break in terms of the level of competition. So they should be able to figure some things out. But uh, definitely, you know, something I kind of expected, given how good Clemson's defensive line is, which is crazy to think that they had four NFL draft picks starting on their defensive line last year. They all leave, and their defensive line might be better this year. Um, then you look at Tommy DeVito. He had the the one mistake where he threw the interception right after they had set themselves up with a first and goal situation, only down 11. So I thought they definitely had a shot there to really make things interesting. Um, 
so yeah, a bad mistake. Second week in a row where he's tried to throw it away and threw it right to the other team. Um, but you know, that's that's part of going through your growing pains as a as a young starting quarterback. Um, and then you know you, you look at offensively as you're going forward. I think a lot of it is um, a lot of it is about gelling and getting together. And as you mentioned that that meeting they had at midfield right after the game. Um, I think that tells you a couple of things. One, Dino Baber still believes in this team. Um, and, and then, you know, the, the players still have a lot of respect for, for Dino Babers and the coaching staff. Well, Coach Babers isn't really revealing what he said at midfield there. Uh, you know, he wants to keep it in-house and everything. But it certainly he had to be dealing with uh, a frustrated, disheartened, angry squad, a, a squad that's unhappy with the way they performed. So if I'm going to speculate, it, it's got to be along those lines of, of trying to rally the guys. Taking their temperature, where's your morale at? Let's get this done. Let's put it behind us and let's go get them next week. The rest of the world is out there. Here we are together. Let's galvanize. Let's forget about this Clemson game and let's move forward and win next week. Mike? Yeah, because I think... He still looks at this team and says there's enough talent on this roster that they're sitting at one and two right now. But if you look at the rest of the schedule and with the talent they have, if they can figure out the couple of issues they have, really um, offensive line, I think if that shores itself up, then they can win each of the, the remaining nine games. At Florida State is always a tough game, but they struggled with Louisiana Monroe. And, you know, they're a team that, there's a bunch of questions on their coaching staff. Is Are they going to stay around? Um, who knows what they'll be by the time you get there. Uh, Louisville is in rebuilding mode. Uh, I mean, every game on this schedule has huge question marks in terms of who the opposition is, and it's a, they're each winnable in their own way. So you, you win these next two home games, correct some of those things, sit at three and two, and then to get to a bowl game, you just have to go three and four, through the through the rest of the conference schedule, if you can figure out a way to go five and two, now you have an eight and four regular season. You're going to a solid bowl game, and to me, that's a successful season. So I think that Dino sees that big picture, and that's part of why he brought them out there was because he wanted he didn't want to just do that in the locker room, right? Because that's something you do after every game. He wanted to make a point to bring them out to midfield to say, listen. There are some things we've got to fix, but we have to do this together. Because if they start to splinter right now, given the struggles they've had in the last two games, then it's going to go downhill real fast. Whereas if they can stay together, get through this, figure out some of their growing pains, Tommy DeVito grows and gets better as the season goes along. Same with the offensive line. Then, you know, an 8-4, and 7-5 and five season is, is very doable, very reasonable. And I think Dino sees that and wants to make sure that they do stay together through this tough time. It's Mike McAllister from 247 Sports with us on the Sports Illustrated Show on ESPN Utica Rome. Uh, to Mike's point, Dino Baber said in the post game, uh, this is still a team that you're going to be talking about by the end of the season. He says it with conviction. And I have so much faith in Dino Babers that, that I believe that. that he's going to make the adjustments and changes necessary. He's going to find a way to put this team and these players in a position to be exactly where you, Mike, just described. Dave Cooney's in studio with us. He's got the next question. Yes, sir. Uh, so 
talking about the last two games going against Maryland and then, of course, this last game against Clemson, both games defense gave up over 600 yards apiece in each of those games. What do you think Brian Ward's message is going to be to those defensive players, especially giving up almost 1,200 yards worth of offense the past two games? I think if you look at this last game, to me, just watching it, they looked much more competitive uh, and, and looked like they had taken some strides since the week before. So I think the message is, listen, we just played the best team in the country, the team that might have the most offensive weapons of anyone in the country. And for a good two and a half to three quarters, you largely controlled them. Now you had two bad drives to open the game. And then the backups gave up two long touchdown, two long touchdown drives late in the game. But you take those away and you know, you're, you're putting together the type of defensive effort that we expected this team to give. So to me, the message is, listen, Maryland was an anomaly. We've got two very winnable games against teams that we are more talented than coming up. We continue to grow as a unit, try to figure out the linebacker rotation, because I still think that's a huge question mark they got to figure out. But the defensive line's really good. Uh, the secondary is really good. I thought they played uh, a, a very strong ball game yesterday. Uh, you know, the 87-yard touchdown that they had to Amari Rogers wasn't something where somebody got beat deep or there was a blown coverage. That was a screen pass where a guy was there, it was Antoine Cordy, and should have made a tackle for a loss. He misses the tackle, and when you're playing a team that's got those kind of athletes, one missed tackle can learn can lead to a huge play, as it did. It's exactly so what Brian, it was, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think Brian's Brian Ward's message is simply, um, you know, we took a step forward for sure. There are definitely areas to improve, but I still have full confidence in what this unit is and what this unit can be. Mike, what do you expect from the game next week versus Western Michigan? Do you expect them to come out, um, lights out, and do you expect them to destroy them, or do you expect some uh, growing pains again next week? I, st- I don't think you're going to see a game where the offense is going to be clicking on all cylinders and all of a sudden put up 50 points. But, um, you know, I think the fact that it's at home, the fact that they have these back-to-back losses, if they really are, as they're preaching, sticking together and, and trying to rebound, then I think that's a game where you could win by, um, you know, two to three touchdowns and, and come away feeling better about what, they, what they're going to be going forward. Now, Western Michigan has some players um, offensively that could give Syracuse some trouble. But largely, after watching this game, um, special teams and defense are not areas I'm worried about. To me, it's whether the offense can score enough points for them to win. That's the big area of concern. And I think against a team like Western Michigan, who uh, their defense has really struggled so far this year, they weren't all that good last year when Syracuse put up a bunch of points on them. Um, you know, I think the fact that it's in the Carrier Dome, I think Syracuse will go out and have a solid, solid game and a solid win. So if you don't follow us at ESPN Sportzilla, I recommend that. And then you flip through our timeline and you will see at M McAllister 247. Follow him. If you love SU football and basketball, an absolute must follow. Always fantastic commentary. And uh, we appreciate you delivering for us every time we reach out. Mike McAllister, have a great rest of your Sunday. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Always love having him on. Just absolutely has his finger on the pulse of the team. A little bit of NFL stuff next. Uh, Matt's got to jump out to get ready for... You're getting ready for some football, right? I am. All right, so I have to hop over into the the. Oh my God, I got. I apologize to the fans in advance. I have to take the reins of the mothership 
But Dave Cooney is going to stay with us. Scoop, of course, is in here. And then we have some great comment stuff for you with Corey Herga at the top of the hour. That's next in the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Utica Rome. It's the SportsZilla Show on 1310 AM Utica, 1350 AM Rome, and 96.5 FM ESPN Radio Utica Rome. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. In minutes, we'll be talking to Corey Hergott of Canucks Army. We'll get an update on your Utica Comets. Of course, here, 96.5, we've got Yankees and Blue Jays at 12.25 p.m. So your New York football Giants coverage moves today to Tony FM, 99.1 FM in Utica, 12.30 a.m. in Little Falls and WKLL HD2 across central New York. The Bills at the Giants today. I also got to shamelessly plug the other brother station, K-Rock, because you, the cool thing is with our company, you can get, for this game, you can get your Bills coverage and your Giants coverage. You can get the Bills perspective, the Bills announcers. The Whichever Bills. way you lean. Yeah, so uh, I, I sometimes like to listen to the enemy broadcast. Like Subway Series, Yankees, Mets, sometimes I, I listen to a little Howie and a little Hernandez and a little Ron Darling and those guys just to get that different perspective. It's kind of a neat thing. I listen to uh, Jets broadcasts every now and then, and I'm, I'm feeling for you, Dave, because sometimes the exasperation fr- from the announcers really, you know, it, they've had to deal with a lot. The Jets just jet sometimes. <laughs> Dave Cooney, who is a program director of WPNR and, of course, works part-time here at the radio station, is in studio with Scoop myself today. Matt Page has stepped out. Your comments on uh, that dig about the Jets there, buddy? Oh, hang on. My bad. See, my first screw up since Matt left the studio. Go ahead. Y'all are not wrong. I, I feel the pain. Actually, one of the guys I went to the I actually went to the game last week, so I got to see the Jets jet firsthand as usual. And I had a guy who has been a Jets fan for sixty years, and I just oh, I felt the pain. Well, you had to feel good about that game most of the way through, and then yeah, yeah but you want to feel good about the game after oh, all four right, quarters right. are over. Right. And honestly, I thought the Giants were going to be the worst. New- we're going to be the worst New York City team, but I've done it. The Jets want to take that title too, so here we are. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this game today. I there, there's part of me that believes the Giants will win, but then there's part of me that goes, "Well, that was a, a pretty decent clutch late in the game comeback by the Bills." It's great, actually. Is it? It was what they got Josh Allen for. Yeah, I mean, but you got the home opener for the Giants. I I, I don't. It's. You can see a lot of different scenarios, whereas some games you look at it and you go, yeah, this is probably going to be the way this ends. Of course, that's why you play the games. So I'm not sure how I'm feeling about this. I do just want to say one thing in relation to my New York football giants. Uh, For those out there that are blaming Eli Manning and already calling for the Daniel Jones era based on the Dallas game, stop it. Nonsense. The defense was crap. The offensive line is better. Saquon Barkley has to get the ball more than 11 times. Eli Manning was not the reason at all that they lost that game. Scoop, we've talked about that. He actually had some decent stats in the game. He, he did the best he could. He could. I mean, the fact of the matter is the, de- the defense of the Giants was beat down because they made Dallas look phenomenal. Dallas is not as good as the Giants. Very porous Swiss cheese secondary. Very young secondary made them look. Dak is... Good. He is not that good. We'll see if he gets that contract. That seems to be uh, a question. He's motivated for $40 million yeah. a year. Any last thoughts before we jump into some 
Comets talk in just a couple minutes there, Dave Cooney. Well, we got Browns, yeah. Jets, of course, yeah. Monday night. Yeah, but with the Giants, too, you're all also missing Golden Tate, one of your top wide receivers, and then Darius Slayton, too. And Sterling Shepard is out with a concussion. He's in protocol for this game. So receiving options now that Odell is with your Browns scoop. And, I, and I'll say this with regards to Monday night. Uh, it doesn't matter how big of a dumpster fire the Jets are if the Browns commit 18 penalties again for 182 yards. They ain't going to win that game Monday night. Yeah, you're absolutely they gotta, right. They got to clean that nonsense up. It's a joke. I'm kind of glad Matt's not in here right now to comment on behalf of his Patriots because I don't know how I feel with the allegations. And the problem is that the receipts and the text messages have been put out there and you got to read a little bit about maybe the mindset of Antonio Brown off the football field. I'm wondering about him playing. I, I mean, the rich get richer, but this is, wow, this is even for the Patriot standards, the Cheatriots and everything else, the nonsense in that organization. I, I'm just, I'm just one of those people. You, you, you abuse a woman in any way, shape, or form. I don't know that I want you playing professional football. I haven't read any of those uh, text messages it's, yet, but uh, let's hope that the commissioner doesn't ignore them like he claims he ignored the Ray Rice videotape. It's just I just didn't see it. I never saw it. I it's, hope he does it because give me a it, break. What kind of example does that set for younger people that are looking at it's that are terrible. watching the game now? And it matters. It matters. It's it, it's just it, it's a league wide pr- problem. It's not just the Patriots. It's terrible. It's a problem with my Browns. It's yeah. It is. It's terrible. And they've got to they've got to set a plan in place. And where everybody is held to the same standards and get the crap like this out of the game. Because it was, they're damning. You read the text, they're damning. First of all, he also needs to take a couple of English classes because he's illiterate. I mean, I'm sorry, but it was like not even English what he was writing. So you had to reread it like three or four times to truly get it. But the things that he was saying, or he was saying, terrible. It it was bad. It was, it's, it's not pretty. It's just not pretty. All right, enough about that. I guess he's playing today. That's He is playing today. Let's talk Utica Kamataki with Corey Hergott from Canucks Army. That is next to SportsZilla Shows on ESPN Utica Rome. It's the SportsZilla Show on 1310 AM Utica, 1350 AM Rome. ESPN Utica Rome, now on 96.5 FM. And a kicker who's never missed an extra point in his career. Buddy Hill's not going to miss this free throw. He has a 90% free throw shooter. So you got to be prepared for pressure here at the chances. He, he did it. miss it. Holy cow. The SportsZilla Show starts now. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. Matt stepped out of the room. I've got the reins of the mothership, uh, so to speak. My name is Rain. Scoop is in here. And we have our friend Dave Cooney from Utica College joining us. Uh, more importantly, though, no offense to any of us, uh, we're not the stars. Right now, it is the man on the phone who took a ferry from Vancouver Island and is in the building getting set for today's training camp adventures of the Vancouver Canucks slash Utica Comets. Corey Hergott with Canucks Army is with us. He says he's got a coffee in hand and he's ready to go. How are you, sir? I'm doing well this morning. How are you fellas doing? Uh, we're very excited to talk to you as usual. Uh, you get to see firsthand the things that we want to talk about and speculate about and knowing that we're only a couple weeks away from the season starting and even less than that from some of these Comets players 
being sent back here to Utica to get things underway over at the Adirondack Bank Center. But you're seeing a lot. First of all, Scoop, I don't know about you, but I want to start with, once again, for the second year in a row, an expected massive improvement by the big fella, as Corey calls him, Zach McEwen. As if he didn't get so much better from the beginning of his first season to the end, then he takes the offseason, drastically improves, has a really good season, gets his NHL call-up last year, and then what does he do? Works his butt off again and improves even more. I know that's been the talk of a lot of people, including Vancouver Media, Corey. Well, that's just it. I'm really, really happy to see that uh, some of the other uh, media members here in Vancouver have taken notice. I've seen a lot of Zach McEwen articles uh, come out in the last couple of weeks. And I think uh, last season, uh, it, it wasn't uh, his name wasn't quite on the tip of everybody's tongue here. So, uh, you know, that's, that's Zach McEwen in a nutshell, though. As you said, he put in the work and uh, took what the coaching staff has asked him to improve in his game, and he applies it. And, and uh, the guy's got the work ethic, um, you know, second to none, absolutely. And he's got the talent to back it up. And, you know, work ethic will get you so far. Talent will get you so far. But when you can combine them both, you've got a pretty special package. And, and I think that's what Zach McEwen is. Let me ask you a bunch of questions at once. Uh, does Zach skating look uh, better still? Uh, what has stood out to you so far at camp? I know, gosh, uh, Quinn Hughes is uh, freaking dazzling with uh, the puck handling. What, what has really popped off the ice to you, Corey? It's a do your deeks, man. Well, this is my uh, this will be my first day at camp. We had Chris Faber here from Canucks Army covering the first two days, so I can only go off of what I've seen in the in the videos that the guys have been posting and uh, on uh, Twitter and stuff. And uh, Zach's skating definitely looks like it's taken another step. Uh, I believe uh, from what I I read an article from Ben Kuzma this morning uh, talking about how Zach worked again with Eli McEachern in the off season. Uh, he was an Olympic gold medalist. Uh, Bob's letter for Canada in I think '98 or something like that, and uh, that's two year two off seasons in a row now that Zach's worked with him to help improve his explosiveness and his uh, his overall conditioning level, and and that goes a really long way for for a guy who you know skating was the was the area he needed to work on, and and he buckled down and he worked on it, and it's not a concern for him anymore, and and that's a that's a really really important thing for uh, a big guy like Zach. And then you've got a guy like Quinn Hughes out there and who's just dancing around. And uh, I've seen quite a few people compare him that he's going to be the, the, the defense version of uh, Elias Pettersson this year, where he's going to be pulling everybody out of their seats on a, on a regular basis. Uh, but one thing we need to remember with Quinn is he's a high-activity uh, high sort of hockey player. So you're going to see him pull you out of your seat a bunch of times with some dazzling moves, but you'll probably see him get burned once in a while uh, trying to pull off those moves. So you take the good with the bad. Corey Hergott with us from Canucks Army Sports Show ESPN, Utica, Rome. Jake Vertanen is somebody, and alluding to Chris Faber, who, by the way, you join his podcast, and we're going to have you plug that at the end of this, Corey. Uh, but Vertanen, Jake Vertanen, a player that we know very well down here in Utica, who's, I mean, he's got the size. He he has everything to be the prototypical power forward in the NHL. This is something we've talked about a number of times. Uh, but he was he was singled out by Travis Green, and he had a rough day during the bag skate, for example, on day one. Came back a lot better on day two. But for some reason, and, and I think it's because of the, fami- the familiarity that Travis has with Jake Vertanen, but but he's had a uh, overall kind of a rough go of it so far. 
So what have you heard? What have you seen? What have you watched? What do you know? Well, the thing from what I understand is uh, the team and Jake put together some uh, some goals that they wanted him to uh, achieve for, you know, come in and, and uh, be at a certain level. And, and I guess he fell just below that level. And, uh, you know, when you're a professional hockey player and conditioning has kind of been a bit of an issue in the past, that's something that uh, maybe he needed to take a little bit more seriously. But from what it sounds like, uh, you know, we really shouldn't be reading a ton into this. Um Travis likes the player. He knows the player. He's been around. Like Travis and Jake have been together for quite a while now. Um, I, I think this is just the way the coach motivates this player and, and the kind of motivation that this player seems to need. So uh, I'm hoping to see Jake take another step this year. If he can hit the 20 goal mark, I think that'd be absolutely fantastic for him. Um, but, you know, he's he's got that package again where he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got a, a pretty nice skill set. Um, the hockey sense maybe isn't quite where you want it to be, but it's something that he can hopefully improve on. I, I wonder that because, well, Scoop, I, I want you to take it from here, and I want to set you up because he was put into group three in practice. It's essentially the Comets guy. Which, yeah, it's with all of the expected Comets players. He's the only one that was basically a Canuck last year. Everybody else, Comets players. And day one, they put him in that group. Yesterday, they graduated him to the other group. Is this Travis Green, as Corey just said, sending a little bit of a sign and and motivating him and perhaps saying, I'm sending you a message here. I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down. Well, I think absolutely. But to what you said previously about the experience that Green and Vertanen have together, you also saw yesterday where Green spent some time with Jake on his spacing and his positioning, where he should be on the ice, and ultimately where it might be an awkward moment where you're being singled out a little bit. If they don't want you to succeed, and they've already made up their mind that you've got no future, they don't spend that time on you. Yeah, you're out of there. And, and Jake's a, a, an immensely talented player, and uh, Coach Green is just trying to coach him up. What else have you seen from training camp, or what else are you expecting to see based on what you've read? As you said, uh, Chris Faber had covered the past couple of days. Who are you looking to check out? Who are you looking to focus on? Uh, what are some of the, the keys moving forward as, as far as you're concerned and what you want to see in training camp? Well, one thing that I've noticed the first two days that really interests me is that uh, newcomer Francis Perron has been used in the middle for, uh, for the first two days. And I've been penciling him as a left winger. I've seen him as a left winger everywhere I've, uh, I've looked online. Uh, so them, like with the team trying him in the middle, I think, uh, you know, he's a creative playmaker. Uh, if, if they're going to use him in the middle, that opens up another spot on the wings, which we know are already pretty crowded. So, like, Francis Perron is a player I'm going to be keeping my eyes on today. I haven't seen a lot of people speaking about Lucas Yashik in the last couple of days, so I want to keep an eye on him and, and see where he's at. He's a player that I think really can take another step this year. I think he's a guy that's got uh, a fairly well-rounded game already, and he just needs to kind of refine some details. So those are two guys I'm really interested in keeping an eye on. I'll be watching the goaltending situation as well because uh, you've got four guys coming to Utica this year, and uh, only two of them are going to be able to – one can play and one can sit on the bench. So – It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I see that uh, Richard Bachman is is here and he's been uh, out on the ice and, and, uh, you know, sounds like he's feeling all right as well, like with his Achilles injury. So if if Richard Bachman can come back and be a 
be an everyday player for them again, along with Zane McIntyre. It might be tough for the kids to get in, but it'll sure uh, it'll sure uh, shore up the goaltending situation in Utica after it, last year, where where it wasn't maybe quite as ideal. And he's just a fantastic. Bacher's just a great human being and a fantastic mentor. Corey Hergut with Canucks Army with us in the Sportzilla Show at ESPN Utica Rome. Corey, we have David Cooney, who's uh, with Utica College, and he works part-time here. We're bringing him in today, and uh, he's locked and loaded with a question for you. Yeah, actually, kind of just answer part. Part of that question was about the goaltending, especially with Demko probably not coming back to Utica. He looks like very entrenched there up in Vancouver. What do you see coming out of Bachman and McIntyre this year? You know, how they looked in camp? And then also, too, potentially Michael DiPietro. How has he kind of looked there in camp early on? Well, I think the situation is really going to be interesting to to watch play out because I think uh, McIntyre played 46 games in each of the last two years. Like he's used to a pretty heavy workload. Uh, Bachman only got into his nine last year, but he played 30 some odd games the year before. So you've got two guys that are used to playing a pretty good, uh, pretty good amount of games, and then you've got the two young guys coming in who are going to need to play. I'm, I, you know, if you're a goaltender, uh, it's a little bit different than being a player practices for a goaltender aren't quite the same sort of uh, almost game situation like it is for, a, for a skater. So these guys are going to have to play. So I, I'm really interested to see how this works out because uh, you know, Michael DiPietro, they're, they're kind of calling him the, the next, next goalie in Vancouver because Thatcher Demko is the guy, the heir apparent at the moment. But I really, uh, when I look at Jake Kiley and, and his numbers in college and just how consistent he was, and, and he wore a letter there as, as a goaltender as well. So that's another guy that really, really intrigues me, and I think he might have something to offer this team. Well, you know, we mentioned Thatcher Demko, but, and we're talking Comets, but I got to ask about the big question that really looms the largest over the Vancouver Canucks right now, which is Brock Besser, and there's a Canucks Army piece about speculating what if uh, they traded Besser and Sutter and Thatcher Demko and uh, a a draft pick to Winnipeg for Patrick Lane. I'm sure you've read that. I would love to get your thoughts on that. Uh, It's it's kind of interesting to imagine a Canucks future that doesn't involve Thatcher Demko and him as a Winnipeg Jet. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't actually had a chance to read that piece yet, but I, I'm familiar with, with the piece that you're talking about. I saw it got uh, ratioed a little bit on Twitter yesterday. I don't think fans <laughs> are super keen on the idea of uh, moving all those players in a package for Patrick Laine. And, and, I mean, realistically, Brock Besser will be back with this team. I don't think it'll be much longer before his deal gets done. Uh, we've heard Travis Green say in the past he would rather see Brock Besser be a 30-goal scorer who can play well on both sides of the puck than see him be a 40-goal scorer who isn't so good defensively. And uh, that's basically Patrick Laine in a nutshell. He, he'll score you all kinds of goals, but there's there's a good chance there's going to be some goals getting scored on you as well when he's on the ice. So I think uh, I think this team really likes Besser. I don't see... Besser getting traded. I don't see Demko getting traded. I, I I just don't see that happening. That was one of those things that I read, and it just I was shocked. Yeah, I'm me like, too. All right, am I am I being trolled here? You know, like I just you know I mentioned. Could you imagine a Canucks future without Thatcher Demko? But imagine a Canucks future without Brock Besser, who has just been absolutely fantastic at points when he's not injured. Absolutely. I also wanted to ask, uh, while we've got you here, we've got a couple more minutes left with Corey Hurg out of Canucks Army on the Sports Hill Show at ESPN Utica Rome. 
But Olu Levy, by all accounts, has looked fantastic in practice. Seems to be com- maybe getting a little tired at the end uh, of of the day is what I'm seeing and reading. As far as that knee, though, and overall, it's it looks like it's healthy, which is very promising. Season him down here for a little bit, and then it looks like he might be making that jump. Yeah, and, and I spoke with Trent Call about this earlier on in the summer at the development camp um, that I went to in Vancouver, and. What he said to me at time uh, at that time, I've tried to express to people through Twitter and, and through my writing and stuff, but uh, it doesn't seem like people are kind of catching on to it. But what Cole told me was that uh, Yolevi's injury was similar to the injury that Evan McNinney suffered in the 17-18 season. And it took Evan last year until well into the second half before he really felt like he could play his game properly. And Cull told me he figures it could be a similar situation with Yule Levy this year. So I think it's to be expected that a guy who, you know, he's played less than 60 games over the last two seasons. He's had to rehab some pretty serious injuries. I, I think it's uh, it's natural that he's going to be, uh, you know, sucking for air a little bit out there and, and his conditioning might not be exactly where he wants it to be. But the fact that he's been out there and, and his first day he was skating pain-free, um, you know, yesterday he had a little bit of a uh, a setback, but it sounds like uh, everything's going to be good to go for him. It's just one of those things. We just have to be patient, and we have to realize that it's going to take him a little bit of time to round his game out in Utica this year. Corey, give me 30 seconds because we're up against a break in just a minute or so here. Uh, Pat Conacher and a lot of changes in the hockey operations staff. How does that play out? Well, that's interesting because from my understanding, Pat Conacher did a lot of the heavy lifting uh, for Utica in terms of keeping an eye on the ECHL and which players were good targets for for the PTOs when the injuries hit. So that's going to be maybe a big loss for for the Comets uh, to have him heading up to Vancouver. But at the same time, it sounds like maybe Chris Higgins is going to be helping Brian Johnson out in that department and with some of the player development stuff now. So uh, Hopefully Higgy can get Higgy with it and and, uh, help these kids out. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Perfect. Listen, get ready for training camp. Uh, We're looking forward to your coverage at Corey Herga on Twitter is where you find Comets Corey. Absolutely essential if you're a Utica Comets fan. Thanks so much. Get back home safe today, okay, Corey? Thanks again, fellas. Always a pleasure to talk to him. Uh, the podcast will be out. Apple Podcasts, Google Play. You can go to Spotify. You can check the timeline at ESPN Sportzilla at Scoop16 at K-Rock Rain. What's your Twitter? I remember at least David J. Cooney 9. David J. Cooney 9. All right, we're going to get out of here because Yankees, Blue Jays pregame. It's just a couple of minutes away. Scoop, have a good day. Dave? Have a good day. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks to Matt Page, as always. He'll get the dirty work done. Giants football on Tony FM. This is ESPN Utica Rome.